Good morning. There is a warning in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. A warning that Paul wrote to Timothy, warning him of what was to come and some certain types of people who were to come. I'd like to turn there with you to 2 Timothy chapter 3. He describes difficult times that are coming, and he talks about the way people will be. And he gives a a broad range of descriptions, but ends that with that they are lovers of pleasure in verse 4 rather than lovers of God. Verse 5, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. As you look at that verse 5, and he says that they hold to a form of godliness, you ought to think about uh, uh, sort of a, a mold that you might pour pour a substance into that would harden and create a shell. A shell that is perhaps pretty on the outside, but empty on the inside. That is what Paul describes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, concerning these who would come. And who would come into the church and that they would hold to a form. Something that appeared good on the outside, but on the inside it is empty. And he says that they've denied its power. The power of godliness. The truly changed life, not just outside, but inside as well. The truly changed individual. That's what they've denied. None of us want to be the person who has just a shell of godliness. At least I hope you don't. None of us want to be that person with just a shell that appears good on the outside but is empty on the inside. And so I began to ask myself, what's a good way to keep from becoming just a shell? What's a good way to become full on the inside of godliness as it may appear on the outside? And I thought that one of the best practices to keep ourselves sincere, to keep ourselves pure, is to read in the Scriptures about sincerely faithful people and to choose to emulate and imitate them. This morning we're going to look at some examples of people who were sincerely devoted to God. We're not going to spend a great deal of time with any of them. But instead, we're going to cover several. And what I'd like you to do as we look at these characters and get an overview of some of the things they endured and remain sincerely faithful to God in it, I want you to perhaps choose one. Choose one that you identify with. Perhaps you are going through something similar to what they went through. And you can identify with and imitate their good, sincere, faithful, and godly behavior in your life. That's what I'd like for us to do this morning. 
It's the same sort of thought that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 11.1 when he says, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. All the people that we talk about today are going to be just people, and they have shortcomings. Many of them recorded in the Scriptures. Don't imitate the shortcomings, but imitate the things that were godly about them. Perhaps the situation that they are going through or that they went through is similar to your own and can give you something to imitate so that you can be more godly in the process. Let's talk about David first. And we're talking about faithfulness, sincere faithfulness in a moment of tragedy. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. This morning in our Bible class, the sin of David with Bathsheba was brought up. And this occurs just after. David has been confronted by Nathan in the beginning of 2 Samuel chapter 12. David has admitted his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. But in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 14, Nathan says to him, However, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. And so Nathan went to his house. Then the Lord struck the child that Uriah's widow bore to David so that he was very sick. David therefore inquired of God for the child, and David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of his household stood beside him in order to raise him up from the ground, but he was unwilling, would not eat food with them. And then it happened on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was still alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to our voice. How then can we tell him that the child is dead, since he might do himself harm? But when David saw his servants were whispering together, David perceived that the child was dead. And so David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. And so David arose from the ground, washed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this thing that you have done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me that the child may live. But now that he has died, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him. But he will not return to me. very good 
to have our brother Mike Linsky with us this morning. I can't help but you know what I'm thinking. He's here in the house of the Lord and is worshiping. David is a tremendous example. He accepted everything the Lord sent to him. And even when his child had passed on, he worshiped the Lord. You'll notice that he worshiped even before he ate. He went to the house of the Lord first. And then he went back home. And he ate. And recognized the truth. That he would again see that child. He would again see that child. He is a good example of sincere faithfulness to God in suffering. If you are going through a similar circumstance, remember Him and choose to behave the way that He did. Imitate Him. There are others who we will discuss this morning. Hannah If you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah was barren. She could not or she had not yet given birth to children. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 11. She is praying to the Lord. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor shall never come on his head. The Lord blessed her with a son, Samuel. That's who the book is named after. And she dedicated him to the work of the Lord, brought him to Eli in the temple once he was weaned. There are a couple of lessons. First, about making a promise to the Lord, or a promise at all for that matter, that you keep it. It's important that we maintain our integrity toward God and make good on our promises, but also that she did one of the best things that a parent could do. She brought her son to the Lord. She caused him to know the Lord, to grow and serve God and become wise and faithful. That is a good example for us parents. That's me too. (laughs) To bring your children to the Lord like Hannah... 
Jochebed, Exodus chapter 1. Let's look back there. Jochebed is someone that we don't often call by name, but you might know her as Moses' mother. Jochebed, in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 22, Pharaoh gave a command that she simply could not obey. So as then Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who's born you are to cast into the Nile, and every daughter you are to keep alive. Jochebed simply could not do that. And so she, in a sense, gave her son up for adoption by putting him in the Nile in a wicker basket. And Miriam watched to see what would happen. Pharaoh's daughter found him and adopted him. Aren't you glad our processes are better today? But she cared for him. She understood that it was time to reject the government's decision because God's decision was greater. God's requirement on her was greater to love her son and care for him. Those who are in authority over you whether in work or or anywhere, the government, what have you, might deny or demand that you deny some aspect of your faith in Christ. They may try to control you and exert power over you that truly belongs to God. One of the most common that I hear about is that a job or an employer wants you to skip Sunday services altogether in order to work for them. As a Christian, I could never do that. Not altogether. Uh, It was one of the things that was brought up in every interview that I had. That on Sunday, you must, you must, or else I won't work for you. Let me attend worship to my God. And maybe it had something to do with the location, but that was always granted. It's an important thing that we meet with our brethren, even at the cost of rejecting the authorities that are over us. It's important that we maintain our faith in God at all costs. Let's talk about some sincere faithfulness in evangelism. Sincere faithfulness in evangelism. In Acts chapter 5, verse 40, it's a very similar sort of thing to what we've just spoken of. Acts chapter 5 and verse 40, you have the apostles who had been commanded not to speak in the name of Christ. And they were, the council that was there was going to kill them. Uh, Gamaliel decided to give or gave them some inspired advice not to kill them because they may actually be doing the Lord's work. And so in verse 40 of Acts chapter 5, they, the council, took his advice. And after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. And so they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they'd been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And so there was faithfulness in their evangelism, dedicated to preaching and spreading the gospel to the lost, no matter who stood against them. They were spiritual warriors whose armor fit well. They defied the authorities commanding them to stop teaching Christ and instead obeyed God 
If you lose your job because you're talking about Jesus to your co-workers or your students or your superiors, is that not following in the grand footsteps of these spiritual warriors? Would you be proud to suffer that shame for the name of Christ? What about Ananias in Acts chapter 9? It's another sort of faithfulness in evangelism. Ananias in Acts chapter 9. Remember, Saul of Tarsus has been stopped on the road to Damascus. He can't see now. He's been praying to God and the Lord is sending Ananias to Saul. Verse 13, Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument of mine, a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house and he continued to do the work of the Lord there. His account brings to mind prison ministers. I don't know if you're familiar with the term prison minister, uh, but they are the guys who dedicate their ministry to going into prisons and holding Bible studies with those who are in prison currently for committing crimes. And they sit with them and they tell them the truth that God loves them, that they can be saved and calls them to repentance and, and cares about them. And I admire them for that. I was talking not long ago about a prison minister who has now retired. And I explained to my, my dad that I really looked up to him and I said, I think I'm too squishy for that job. <laughs> Just too squishy. But those guys, they ignore the way society tells them to avoid those lost souls who are imprisoned. And they care about them anyway. They reach out to them with the gospel because they know and obey the truth that every soul is precious and that every soul deserves to hear the gospel. Are you afraid of the people you have the opportunity to reach with the gospel? Sometimes we are, right? Sometimes we're fearful of those, of the way they might respond. Follow the example of Ananias. Obey the Lord. Consider that the person you fear may become a valuable worker in the Lord's kingdom. Imitate his example. Next week, we're going to look at some more examples. We're going to look at some more people. And I want you to Consider the ones that we've talked about today and see if you have something in common with them, some way that you can imitate their walk so that your shell of godliness may be completely and totally filled with the good works that come from it. Let's strive together and work together to be filled vessels for God. Vessels filled with true godliness and not just an outward appearance of it. Let's be people who truly care about souls. 
Let's be people who are willing to go and spread the gospel no matter the cost. And let's be people who know that they can count on each other. Who know that they can count on each other to be there when we fall and when we stumble. And people who will pick each other up. This morning we are offering an invitation. If you're not a Christian yet, but you need to put Christ on in baptism, if, if you have heard the gospel that Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life free from sin and died for your sins instead, and then was raised from the grave on the third day and lives even till this day, and if you're ready to confess His name as Lord before all of us, and then put Him on in the waters of baptism where you'll contact His blood, then you will be forgiven of your sins by it, and He will add you to His church. And this morning, if you are a brother or sister in Christ already, and you need to come and renew yourself to your covenant with the Lord, we invite you to do that as well. If you have a spiritual need this morning, please come forward as we stand and sing. Our God.